I, I, I like this setup. I just sit here. Yeah. I got to be careful not to get too <laughs> rowdy, I guess. Yeah, because you're going to not bump into it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'll be doing. I'll be gesticulating with my hands and shit, knocking the mic. I was like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, son. Oh, the future, um, a deafening silence surrounds the future of Lamar Jackson, one of the best young NFL quarterbacks. Discuss now, both of you. Discuss uh, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> what are they saying about Lamar now? Who is Say Lamar Jackson? Um, Baltimore's quarterback. He's a quarterback. He uh, he was at Baltimore. Mm. Dude, I look okay. I, I'm not like the biggest basketball watcher. I love basketball, yeah. but I don't watch it as much as I should. But um, mm-hmm. the other night we had the the women's W NCAA tournament on women's March Madness. Mm. Dude, I, I'm not just saying this to like sound like an ally. Like an ally. Like an ally. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely enjoyed watching it more than I want enjoyed watching men's March Ma- March Madness. Oh, uh, you're a good feminist. I'm, you're dude, good I'm, feminist, Terrence. I'm saying this like purely. Like the the pace of the game was more fun, the crowd was more fun, the like the kinds of I'll say this it was more aggressive. Like I, I don't I don't mean that in any kind believe, of co- wow. Okay, so women are aggressive. <laughs> women are aggressive now. I don't mean that. Women are any, abusive. I don't. Okay. Wow, <laughs> black women too, mostly. Black women mostly. Exactly, Tom. Thank you. See, that's a real ally right there, dog. You see. I, no, I mean it. I'm. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be an ally. <laughs> but let me ask you a question, though. Let me can I ask you a question. All right, I would be, be uh, because uh, I, I, I totally believe that because, um, like women's soccer, for example, right? Like U.S. soccer is so much more interesting and competitive, right? And yeah. I don't even watch soccer like that, but I just know that, right? Um, why, why do you think that is, man? Because I mean, obviously, like the 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 standards are like you know artificially lowered because women or femme people are not seen as competitive or strong or whatever all of these like kind of um 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 harmful like biases and whatnot but why do you why do you think that is though that's interesting i think it's literally i think it's 100 percent because of the crowd the crowd yeah. gets way more into it than they do with men's basketball with like the men's in march madness people are like woo all right <laughs> but with the women's they were like Fucking killer! <laughs> Hell yeah! I'm serious. Yeah. Like I think I think Hell that's yeah. it. I think there's a like there's a kind of energy that everybody's feeding off of that just isn't there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everybody, I guess, is like I don't know, man. Maybe uh, all the men's teams. People are like I've seen this shit already. You know, these guys are not even in the, their heart is not even in it anymore. You know. I, yeah, maybe 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 they feel like they don't have anything to prove anymore, and so it's just kind of like. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. it's just I guess what I'm saying is like. Man, I don't know. I don't know how to like phrase it because I'm not like I said. I'm not like an, a basketball expert. I'm not an avid yeah. basketball watcher, but uh, it just felt like the pace of the game, the um, you know, a lot. It felt like there was a lot more like pick and roll. Uh, yeah. It felt like there was a lot more like I don't know. Maybe maybe they do one on man-to-man defense more than they do zone in 
women's yeah. I have no idea men's basketball you know what I feel like wow too, wow Gen- gender defenses now huh? <laughs> gender defenses now but you know wow. what else I feel like it is too I feel like because like like I don't know and this might be the case in women's sports but I mean you know men's sports being as like the the multi-billion dollar industry that it is you know um what like I feel like you know like team what used to be team sports like i guess baseball but maybe even basketball maybe i don't know tom you might know more about this but i guess what i'm saying is like in basketball now it feels like you have all these dudes that are like really really good right and like these singular dudes that are really good i mean i guess like you know we know names like lebron i'm thinking of like readily for one of the first people right but like it feels like i don't know man maybe i'm not making a point but it feels like now like maybe back in the day even when you had michael jordan okay but now it's like all these guys are so good and so competitive and it doesn't really feel like a sport in which like you just stick yeah, with the player. It gets homogenized you... in a way. Yes. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot with my friends. I was like, man, why do I enjoy watching basketball, and particularly the pro game? Mm. Because that wasn't true for a while. Like, there's a lot of people that were like, for the longest time, like, I like college more than pro. And I was like, well, I like college because I'm a nationalist. But, <laughs> uh, but for UK, yeah, the UK, but, the United Kingdom, yeah, the nationalist for the United Kingdom. But now it is like the NBA game has like lost something, and it's I guess it's kind of the same way that like overproduced music is not as interesting, or you know, you can make a million different comparisons. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. well, I just wanted to have a I, I like the concept of having an argument and then main and trying to maintain that you're not having it from a position of being an ally. Like, not LA. I'm not. <laughs> I just, I just want to say one more time, I wasn't saying that to be an ally. <laughs> oh, brother, let me tell well, you. The reason it's like the guy, the, guy, the guy that is like is truly a sexist but loves women's sports <laughs> more than men's. Well, there, there was like, like I don't know. There was like a tweet. Some right winger had tweeted that like wokeness and like diversity and stuff is out of control, just because. Just because like Sports Center was focusing more on the women's March Madness tournament, I, like on Monday night, like there was no college yeah, men's I games saw on. That. You know what? I'm tweet I was talking about Tom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like, it's, dude, thought, if you watch if one you game, like it, it is. I, I mean, personally, I, I thought it was. Uh, but let me ask you a question, though. If if you watch it on a Monday night, like I feel like nobody's watching shit on a Monday night. You know what I'm saying? If anything, they've been watching men's sports. Like, where, when do you want people to see these games then? You know what I'm saying? Like, what the hell? Well, and also, like, uh, Monday night, like, in dead season, like, before fo- baseball season's really picked up and NFL's done, like, the only sports on right now is basketball. Yeah, so it's like, like what, when, what else do what you want? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Somebody was like, somebody said, uh, had a good response. I was like, yeah, imagine that ESPN reporting on sports. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's woke now. I guess woke. It's been so thoroughly hijacked that we're just going to have like an ever-expanding definition of like it's of things that are going to slip in there and become woke. What's the most ridiculous thing that you can imagine will be called woke in the coming years? Well, dude, they called Silicon. They uh, there were people genuinely saying that Silicon Valley uh, Valley Bank collapsed because it was too woke <laughs> you know the craziest shit i heard i wish i could find the tweet man it was on my last account but like because i have bookmarked because it was the most insane shit i've seen it was like at davros you know mm, like yeah, that yeah. Uh, summit of billionaires 
And man, I really forgot like what it was that this presenter was talking about. But, you know, the whole like kind of veneer of liberal like capitalism and liberal racialism even infects the upper echelons of the ruling class, especially, right? Especially these freaks at Davos, you know, who want to make it sound as if like, well, we're some we're on some multicultural crusade to save the environment and to like, you know, all this bullshit. And somebody was like, some right winger was like, oh, look at the communists at Davos. And it was like, dude, look at the woke communists. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, man. The woke capitalists at uh, yeah, uh, Davos. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like Davos is like, uh, you know, would be the Bilderberg group if they like, if it was a little more shadowy, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. uh, at this point, it's it's gotten to the point where you've got Trump proposing like what was it like freedom cities it's like they it's gotten to the point where they're like so dystopian yeah cities are too woke (laughs) so you have to make non-woke cities and it's like it's an incredible statement to make when you've got like every major american city has a police with a budget greater than the fucking military budget of like china and many countries (laughs) yeah (laughs) any country like lapd probably could probably take on like France, maybe. Uh huh. Oh yeah, the <laughs> NYPD know. could totally invade Estonia and take that shit over if they want. Oh yeah, no question <laughs> about it. Yeah, like, Romania, <laughs> yeah, like all of those. Yeah, former Soviet satellites. Yo, of course. But yeah. yo, Terrence, you you said something before. I remember you said this. Uh, what episode? You're like, yo, what if like it's already kind of like this, where regions of the country are carved out like uh, like geographically, like there's almost like this psychogeography based on politics. You know, like like. Like, what signs and what neighborhoods, like, have a Black Lives Matter sign versus what signs have a Trump sign? Or, you know, not that these are, like, perfectly delineated, but it would be really funny, though, to, like, not even do the climate change and, like, where motherfuckers got to build seawalls. You know what I'm saying? But motherfuckers actually carve out instead, like, sanctuaries. You know, like, woke, like freedom cities, man. Yeah. That's a... Well, the, I like that. Woke cities. We, well, that's the thing. It's the freedom cities... <laughs> Trump's plan, shared in advance with Politico, calls for holding a contest. Okay, I love that they're, <laughs> they're, they're doing a contest. That's so perfectly Trump, you know, isn't it? It's, it's a fucking... It's always like... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's the same shit that, like, Amazon and those companies do when they're, like, dangling a new factory or whatever in front of a city. Because you remember, like, they were doing that a with... A city like mine? Yeah, like, they were doing that with, like, New York City a few years ago, like... You guys can have an Amazon facility, uh, but you have to my you have to was, want it. My city was gonna rename itself Amazon, yo. I'm so like <laughs> literally the city that I the city the city the small little town that a city that I live in in, in fucking Georgia was gonna. I'm so happy they didn't get that. That's shit, happened before. Fuck, to move. That's happened before. It's like there's like a town in North Texas, I think, dude. Uh, t- the towns in Texas, th- there's a t- there's like the towns in Texas fall under like three rubrics. They're either named for, like, New Deal programs, one. Two, they have the most insanely racist names you've ever heard, like White Settlement, Texas. <laughs> there is, there no is, Blacksville. There is literally a town called White Settlement, Texas. And then... <laughs> Three, it's like the na- it's like the name of a corporation, like like the Purdue Wonder Chicken Town, yeah. or, some or, shit like or a Spanish word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, exactly. yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's also true. What, uh, okay, holding a contest to design and create up to ten new freedom cities built from the ground up on federal land. It proposes an investment in the development of vertical takeoff and landing vehicles, the creation of <laughs> quote unquote hives of industry sparked by cutting off imports from China. And a population surge 
sparked by quote unquote baby bonuses to encourage would be parents to get on with procreation. The thing that like paying people to have babies, like I, I think that's so fascinating because like if they were paying people to fuck, you might have some yeah. people supporting that. It's like does it? Yeah. Do you have to be successful? Do you have, do you have to be successful? At it? Uh, you have to follow follow it through to the end to its logical conclusion. <laughs> No, yeah, they they stand in the room and they watch you bust. And if you don't yeah, bust, you, you don't get your it's like way <laughs> Oh Yeah, there's a guy that's going to sit there and be like, that's eh, not going to get it done. So wait, this is like the Chud Neom. This is like that that like city that it saw is. your ravens like build in the middle of the desert. But this is like for Chuds though. This was this was Trump's statement. Past generations of Americans pursued big dreams and daring projects that once seemed absolutely impossible. They pushed across an unsettled continent and built new cities in the wild frontier. They transformed American life with the interne- interstate highway system. Magnificent it was. And they launched a vast Jesus network of satellites Christ. into orbit all around the Earth. But today our country has lost its boldness. Under my leadership, we will get, get, we will get it back in a very big way. They're you, building a city for cops, and it like yeah, yeah you you got what you you already got what you want, yo. Yeah, you already got what you're preaching for, man. Yo, this is so crazy to me, dog. Because like, like I've always been interested in the way that Trump speaks about like the future, you know? Because he says "Make America Great Again," but it is some kind of like you know like a, a reupholstered like kind of past, right? But the idea that like, yo, he's talking about not only in, uh, in invoking manifest destiny. But also say, like, yo, we're going to take that to its logical conclusion and build these, like, purely, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, these white cities that truly express, like, the American dream and what that, you know, what that expresses and exemplifies. You know what I mean? That's insane, dude. On federal land. On federal land. That's the thing that gets me. (laughs) On a small portion of federal land to, quote, reopen the frontier. Um, Oh, that's not good. (laughs) Yeah, that's they see now there's a critical component of that that he's leaving out of the history that, that there were people on that frontier and then what that ha- what happened to them they just decided to live somewhere else well i mean that's the thing like in this context you'd be reopening public lands and so you ostensibly the people you would be displacing are like patagonia wearing like hikers from the city, so like, you're gonna have like settler colonial militias, like forcing like a family of forcing out gentrifiers. <laughs> well, not even gentrifiers necessarily. But, yeah, you know. sort of like forcibly removing them. Uh, oh, that's that's so crazy, man. This guy is so forward thinking, man. Jesus. The thing is, is Trump also said that his freedom cities would have flying cars. And this is amazing. It's like the Jetsons, dog. Yeah, he's like he watched either Blade Runner or the Jetsons or Star Wars and he was like we gotta do it we gotta do, <laughs> we gotta do that here we gotta do it. no reason we can't do that folks <laughs> oh um, man dude yeah yeah he's, he is the guy to kind of do this man cause he like I don't know he's just like his whole like 80s retro like he's still he's so, he seems like he's stuck in the 80s to me perpetually right like I don't know when I just think of Trump I guess like just who he was in the 80s that's how he's been like I mean up until he did that show The Apprentice and ran for president right so like I could imagine he has this retro futuristic vision of like what America should look like like with flying cars and all that shit but like also like you know there's a wall around it you know oh, yeah yeah 
But the thing is, is like fucking. You can fly over a wall, dipshit. You can fucking exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, no, we gotta build. We gotta build the wall higher, the, higher. We gotta, put, high a, we gotta put a roof. We gotta put a roof on the wall now. <laughs> to build into the upper atmosphere. That's what he said. He wants air. He wants America. I I already lost the exact quote, but the the quote was something to the effect of like. America led the way in the automotive revolution. Now it's going to lead the way in the air mobility revolution. Air mobility. It's like, <laughs> air mobility. You can fly over walls, dumbass. <laughs> Yo, that's so funny, too, because, like, flying cars seem so impractical to me. Like, that's what everybody thought in the future. We'd have flying cars. But, like, okay, why not just an electric car, you know? Or just not, like, a train, you know? What but, like, he's still, like, good. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, what happened to ba- flying backpacks? I, I Like, little the rocket jetpacks? packs. Yeah. What happened to Remember that movie, right? Rocket Man? Oh yeah. yeah, was it that called? Was that what it was called? I'm thinking uh, of Rocket Man. <clears throat> no, no Rocket, I think Rocketeer. The, la- the Rocketeer. Last Action Hero. The Rocketeer. No. Yeah, Rocketeer. I want a fucking Rocket Pack. If they make, if they, I, I saw Rocket, Rocket Man's the Elton John biopic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's all They should uh, do saw, that with basketball. I mean, if they want basketball to get back to its former glory. Give every player a Rocket Pack. A Rocket Pack. They they can be loud though. I saw oh, I saw yeah, yeah. people making one online and shit, or like the ones that have been prototypes, and they're like hella noisy. You know, you mm. just go expect a basketball game, and it's like ten guys <laughs> with like leaf blowers, <laughs> and you're just like, I have to go. <laughs> just put, putting exhaust all over the crowd and shit. <laughs> yeah. Children of coffee. Yeah, yeah. Everybody dies <laughs> of like carbon monoxide <laughs> <laughs> and unknown cancers. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like it's a raucous crowd, then grab. Naturally, everybody gets sleepier and sleepier till they all die. <laughs> he is, he is it's like jetpack basketball, not a good idea. <laughs> Bad idea. Got to do it outdoors, folks. <laughs> uh, shit. Mm. Oh man, son. Uh, well, yeah, that yeah, thank that that's amazing, man. I'm I'm a uh, I'm delighted to hear Trump about Trump's plans for future America, freedom, freedom cities. cities. Well, at least somebody's got some vision, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying, dog. Yeah. Somebody's got some. That's right in my alley, man. I mean, nobody else is coming up with any ideas, so hell no. I mean, might as well do uh, anti woke cities with jetpacks and exactly. flying cars. Exactly. Okay, this week I got a few. Or I mean, I've been on the road, so I've kind of been out of the loop in terms of news. I saw that Trump said he might get arrested, and uh, so yeah, I mean, nothing to really say about that, unless you guys know something I don't. Do you know something I don't on that story? I know it has to do with Stormy Day. Still on cuff and stuff. Watch for Donnie. <laughs> I uh, I had information that uh led to the arrest. Yeah, yeah, I was the guy that did it, man. I was the one that called it in. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome, American people. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, you know, I got it. Like, 
just, you know, I've sort of, like I said, sort of been out of the loop. Opened up the New York Times opinion section this morning with my brand new plug-in that allows me around the play wall, uh, the paywall. I don't have to fucking pay for this shit anymore. Hell yeah. Um, and so it's off to the races for me. Uh, I had three articles that I selected. Uh, we don't have to read all of them. There's one I want to read in full. There's two we might just want to cover briefly. The first is in the New York Times. This was getting passed around yesterday. Is working home is working from home really working? Um, this was written by a guy named Stephen Ratner. He was a counselor to the Treasury Secretary in the Obama administration. There's really nothing about this article that hasn't already been said. It's just that you know. Like can, I, can I just say I bet that guy does a lot of hard work? But he's done a lot of hard <laughs> hard work in his past. Man. Sure, he's a perfect guy to talk about what qualifies hard work. Working from home is it hard work? <laughs> running this fucking this corporation of a country, you know? Yeah, is that hard work? I don't know. Man. Um. Well, so you know, he. You're right. Aaron, he, he was probably never known calluses. If he's ever had a callus on his hand, he probably rushed to the doctor thinking it was like a tumor or cancer or something. Probably beat his meat too much, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta calm down on that. Uh, <laughs> Chill out, bro. <laughs> gotta use some lube, dog. <laughs> there's nothing, there's really nothing in the article that hasn't already, you haven't already seen before, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like whining about, you know, people... Uh, spending too much time out of the office and working from home and how the pandemic made us soft, that kind of shit. But it does have Damn. an interesting aside in it. He basically attributes the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank to too many workers working from home. And, you know, I got to I gotta give it to him because of all the takes I've seen about Silicon Valley Bank, like the way that it collapsed and why, like either it was too woke uh, had it overinvested in worthless securities, interest rates too high. I've not seen anyone say, and so this is this is new. It's like a pioneering take. Not seen anyone say that it, it collapsed because there were too many people phoning it in on Zoom calls. And I got to hand that to him. You know, I like this genre a lot. Um, he this is a new subgenre of what we've seen the past two years of people uh, blaming workers uh, during a pandemic. Right. But he found a way to throw in something that's topical and recent mm. and really like an actual problem with, you know, vulture capitalists. He found out a way to like be like, you know, actually not in a way that they were even doing with the SBB story, but a new dimension to it. I respect it, man. I, I do, too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's conniving, devious motherfucker. Y you know, it's like <laughs> people got to have their own like niche, you know, cottage industry take on it. And like I said, I, I've not seen anyone say that the building had too much black mold. That could be one ex explanation for why it, it <laughs> collapsed. People were getting confused and sniffly. That could be one reason why. Uh, there was a, there was something in the water. Literally something in the water. Maybe prions. They or they had too many prions in their brain, like brain amoebas. Maybe they were possessed by demons. Maybe. Maybe had to bring an exorcist. <laughs> yeah. hey, can't rule out demonic possession. Yeah. In this situation. <laughs> you can't do it. Uh, My latest for the Christian Science Monitor. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the next one I wanted to read from was our old pal Brett Stevens in the New York Times. Uh, we are coming up on the 20th anniversary of the invasion of Iraq. Predictably, it has produced some very fascinating takes, 
some very fascinating evasions and you know elisions people kind of saying like nah dude you got me mixed up with someone else no nah, you got you me got it, me you got me fucked up bro you got me fucked up I, <laughs> I just believe that he had two barrels of leaky mustard gas and i pointed out as much <laughs> Uh, you see this picture right here? That picture, that person's not me. That guy's wearing a different shirt. I'm wearing a red shirt. He's wearing a blue shirt. Not the same guy. It's like, okay, motherfucker. Okay. Um, yeah, no, so Brett obviously has his own take. This is in the New York Times. 20 years on, I don't regret supporting the Iraq war. <laughs> Yo, I felt like I felt like somebody else wrote something similar like this. Did, did David Brooks write some shit David Frum like wrote something kind of similar. David Frum. Yeah, like once a year, man. One of these ghouls. I what's the tone? Of, what's the tone of Brett's here? Is is he going more for like who could have known, or is he more of like, nah, hell, I still I still stand by my decision to uh, genocide of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's regardless of, a, of what we knew at the, actually knew at the time. Kind of a mix of those two. Um, okay. The photo on it is predictable. The photo on it is the famous toppling of that Saddam Hussein statue. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Like where they tied the rope around his neck and pulled it down. I remember oh, watching yeah. that in social studies class in like 11th grade. I watched that on TV too on Fox News in mm-hmm. the Wattsburg Fire Department. They made you feel like it was a victory for like the American people. Well, we thought a dictator had been toppled. That's what, exactly. this, that's what we exactly. thought. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny because like we were the ones that pulled. Okay, I wasn't in eleventh grade. I was in ninth grade. But it's funny that we are the ones that pulled. <laughs> I was in eleventh grade. <laughs> yeah, Tom was. I was too old to be believing in fairy tales. <laughs> I still was like, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I was yeah, still. We like, got him. We got him. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just like, this is fucked up. But don't know what's going on. You know, the new Pokemon came out. Then then Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon came out though. Um. Well, let me just read from Brett here. It's not a very long one. It's pretty short, as all of Brett's usually are. My man has really pioneered the the technique of busting early in op-ed writing. He's got to be like the shortest. He really has to be have the shortest stamina of any op-ed writer. Yeah, yeah Brad, I feel I got the pro- I know the problem, bro. I got a problem with work lake too, man. I feel you. We should talk about it. I feel like David Brooks is pretty long winded. My man goes yeah. and goes. It just repeats itself <laughs> over and over and over, just doing laps around and around and around. Like okay. <laughs> um Okay. Of those who supported the US invasion in Iraq twenty years ago, not just warmongering neocons like yours truly, but also plenty of liberals. <laughs> Wait, um, did he wait? Did he really say yours by yours truly? Yeah, he did. Brett's not pulling any punches, man. He's freaking uh, crazy. He's punk now. The neocons are punk now. Yeah. Like we don't feel bad. Yeah, for killing millions of people. Yeah, maybe that's his tone. Maybe he's like, oh, everybody thinks I'm a warmonger neocon, but I'm actually the voice of reason on the right. Well, you gotta, you really can't underestimate how big of an impact that Thomas Friedman speech on charlie rose was when he said suck on this remember that <laughs> what i don't know yeah uh-huh. it was like it was like in the lead up to the war when they were trying to get the media to circle the wagons he went on charlie oh rose. yeah 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 and he was like oh he basically did it like if my homies weren't holding me back right now man i'd be fucking you up but he said suck on this which is such a bizarre 
like chest puffing statements to me. I mean, I, I, I guess that's what you get when like these guys like they're like, I don't know, man. These guys like they're taking on this like almost like punk, like anti aesthetic, like fuck you sort of aesthetic. But it's like, yo, you like are in service to like, you know what I mean? Like this, none of this is like you know. Like, like none of this is a. On the a, other a, side of that, on the other side of that, Marshall Mathers was telling us to mosh against the evil American Empire. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I did that was my the part. dialectical spectrum. Right I there. moshed against the Empire, so I don't know about I, you guys. I but. moshed, and I'll tell you another thing. I did. I voted or died. <laughs> I. I'm still here, yeah, ain't he's, I? He's still here, so he must have voted. <laughs> I must have voted. I did. I punched one in for Ralph Nader. <laughs> Hell yeah. I was still too young to vote during that election. Yeah, me too. Um, but, uh, no, nah, I think when tanks get rolling, when war gets started, the biggest, like the loud, the most loud-mouthed, like um, the bravest, like, oh, man, I'm going to fuck you up. Like those guys are op-ed writers. They're opinion columnists. Yeah, because they never have to know the horrors of war. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're the In hype an men. They're, why? Yeah. yeah, they're the hype men for war. And they're yeah. even doing it retroactively. So Brett Stevens, obviously, call, calling himself a warmongering neocon. You know, I mean that's you, you know. You know what attitude this is like? This is like, I can't think of any examples, but this is like someone trying to take back like a, a, a like a, an unpopular or kind of cult popularity band or some shit like that or a movie, you know? And they're really trying to be like, no, actually, like, not even be contrarian about it, right? But it's like sincere. It's like, dude, like, I think like, you know, after 20 years, the consensus, even at the time, you know? But to be fair, like, a lot of people got kind of like roped into it. But 20 years later, man, you're not a... You're not being contrarian for that. That does remind me. We will see op-eds in 20 years about everything, everywhere, all at once. We'll see like op-ed. We'll see. We'll see the whole vi- wide spectrum of people being like, "No, nah, I didn't support it at the time. I knew. I knew it wasn't good." But then we'll have people- or, or people or people that are like <laughs> approach it critically and be like, "Did it really contain everything, everywhere, all at once?" <laughs> I didn't think so. I didn't, I didn't think, think so. I was skeptical. Question. I was skeptical, but I still went along with it. I was skeptical then, and I'm skeptical now. <laughs> but then you will, then you you will have Brett Stevens types who will be like, "I still support it. I think it still has everything everywhere." All no, it was. <laughs> um, a few of the arguments for doing so are strong. Others, I think, are wrong, and one is dangerous in ways that misshape our foreign policy debates today. Among the strong arguments, one is especially compelling to me. If nearly every U.S. government bureaucracy is slow, wasteful, and infrequently incompetent in America, how much more so would it be in a country as distant and complex as Iraq? The problem I have in Iraq, one question. I have one question before, yeah. he, before Brett gets into the problem with Iraq. This is the same guy that told us just a couple weeks ago that he supported Obama. Yeah. His whole campaign mm. was... I'm going to get us out of these wars, right? Like, that was, like, the centerpiece of all of it. So, like, if you still supported it, why did you support Barack H. Obama? Exactly. That's a good point. You'd think that, like, John McCain would be his perfect candidate. Oh, you know why? You know I'm saying, like, the Iraq War was sort of the, the subtext it, of that whole campaign. You, you know, know why I mean? he didn't vote for McCain? You know why he voted for Obama? Wow. Sarah Palin was on the ticket. <laughs> 
and and she's oh, she's she's and he, had, he had to be like no i'm conservative of principle yeah you know? yeah she's she's nasty yeah. folks like he he can't he couldn't support a wild card yeah. like palin because she represents all the worst you know impulses of our teeming uh, reactionary masses did did, like, did sarah palin yeah. did sarah palin set the tone for donald trump in a way for sure yeah, i think did she yeah I think so. Like what? Like that's it's. She was kind of the first foray, like dipping our toes into like just the bizarro world that was the Trump campaigns. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. A lot of people say Reagan, but I mean, I think that like yeah, I think like in more recently, but really more in that vein. Yeah, I think Palin was the person, right? Because I mean, I think of her, I think of Trump, but also think like Marjorie Taylor Greene and shit, especially too. Yeah. Lauren Boebert. The thing is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The thing is, is like there's a there's a distinction in their mind between like a respectable politician and like a grifter. You know what I'm saying? And and to them, people like Sarah Palin and Trump are despicable because they haven't played by the rules. They haven't like achieved their sort of merits in the meritocratic uh, structure of American politics. And and by you know by virtue of that. They are disingenuous and inauthentic. So they need authentic people like almost. George Bush killing yeah, yeah. people rather than inauthentic yeah. people. Like, Right. Like Reagan right, was probably a dullard, but he had these rhetorical gifts, right? Like that they don't have. Whereas like their rhetorical gifts, like Trump has rhetorical gifts, but he has rhetorical gifts for like a game show host or like, you know, uh, a comedian or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they're sort of rhetorical style sort of betrays their intelligence level a little bit or rather you know highlights their lack of it you know in a way that like reagan's was kind of obscured by his like rhetorical style so i think it's just like yeah ultimately they were like sarah palin signaled the rise of the vulgarians and how yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right yeah exactly exactly Uh, um Okay, the problem in Iraq wasn't simply a matter of faulty decisions, of which, as in every war, there were many. It was of faulty systems. Don't really know what that means. Around the 10th anniversary of the invasion, the special... Wait, can I, can I offer something real quick? Is he doing... Is this the conservative end of when liberals talk about systemic, like this, systemic, that? <laughs> this is like... This there was like systemic racism. He's like, it's systemic racism. That's what it was. The, uh... It was, yeah, around the 10th anniversary of the invasion, the Special Inspector General for Iraq Construction, just the fact that that is even a position. You got Bob the Builder in Iraq, dog. That shit is (laughs) fucked up, bro. That shit is evil as fuck, bro. Bob the Builder. Baghdad Bob and Bob the Builder. (laughs) Yeah, Baghdad Bob. Bob Baghdad Bob. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's a good episode. (laughs) Pay... That is absurd. Just, just that job title. Iraq Construction painted a devastating picture of our efforts. Billions of dollars were wasted on projects that were rarely, if ever, completed. Uncle Sam, oh yeah, hmm. I wonder why that is. I mean, it's almost like it's almost as if the mission wasn't really to uh, give them a quote unquote democracy. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> uh, Uncle Sam, whose cruise missiles could destroy Iraqi targets with astounding precision, couldn't keep the lights on in Baghdad. Bottom line, nation building may have been something Washington could do in 1945 in places like Japan under leaders like Douglas MacArthur. 
A core lesson of the Iraq War is that, oh. is that <laughs> a core lesson of the Iraq War is that we shouldn't trust ourselves to try it again. We do better as a cop than as a savior. Jesus fucking Christ, man! It's, it's like, I mean, that's dude. It's like we dropped two nuclear weapons on Japan. Yeah, I mean, what like, happened? I mean, but I mean, these are the people that you know not only argued for war but bombing like the Middle East generally back into the Stone Age, right? Yeah. So. That, these, those are the arguments about the aftermath of the war. What about its conception? The strongest case against invasion, other than the inevitable and tragic toll on lives, is that it would merely empower Iran. That was the private view of several Israeli policymakers I spoke with at the time when I was editor at Jerusalem Post. But the case looks shaky on closer inspection. Nobody on either side of the debate over the invasion was seriously in favor of strengthening Saddam Hussein as a counterweight to Tehran as somewhere in the 1980s. Some... Brett, you mean the entire United States government? <laughs> Some, you know. Uh, on the contrary, many opponents of the invasion wanted to continue to weaken him through sanctions in the hopes that his regime would eventually collapse. That, too, would ultimately have benefited Tehran. If anything, the invasion of Iraq appears to have prompted Iran to shutter its illicit nuclear program out of fear of American power, at least for a time. It also got Libya's Muammar Gaddafi to come clean on his own secret nuclear program. Oddly, but not trivially, the most important anti-proliferation achievement of the war. You could say a lot of things about Iran, but fear of American power doesn't really chart there. No. I mean, it's more likely that they just have never like developed a weapon like that that they intend to use for any nefarious purpose, rather than they're trembling. Eh? <laughs> The, the the mighty Persian nation ain't gonna back down from anybody. <laughs> I, I think you're right now. I think you're right. It's probably more a question of like capacity and infrastructure and technological ability than it is any that kind is of quaking like, in that their boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he says. Then especially there, now with Soleimani, you know, right. But. He says, then there are the weak arguments. One is that in failing to adequately anticipate the insurgency that followed the invasion, the U.S. bears the brunt of moral blame for the misery Iraqis endured. He says this is a weak argument, by the way. In fact, Iraqis <laughs> oh suffered fuck. horrifically under Hussein and suffered horrifically under the insurgency. Jesus Christ, dog. It's like McKinsey Yo, brain. It's like it's like he... exactly. It's like the it's just like a numbers thing to him. It's like how did you get those things, Brett? Too, it's, to him, it's too. How wrong. did you get the insurgency? Who created the conditions for these things? Yeah, yeah. Even if you believe that, which is horseshit anyway, but yeah. Well, and also suffered horrifically under Hussein. Who fucking who put them under sanctions that starved hundreds of thousands of people? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, like you said, Tom, that episode, and you were just saying, Terrence, the McKinsey brain, like human bodies are just like reified as numbers on a ledger, you know? Yeah. Or on a balance sheet to just be transferred from one column to the next one, you know? Dead, alive, dead, alive, you know? Yeah. Or displaced, you now, know? In his formulation, like two wrongs make a right. Both of those wrongs were caused by America, though. Both. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what he's trying to do, dog? He's trying to make the argument where people will say, well, um, well, look what happened uh, to Cuba under Castro, where it's like, well, look what happened like under Batista, right? But he's like trying to make that argument, you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Like it's the equivalency, and it's like, dog, you can't do that, man. What are you They're, talking about? Fucking conservative intelligentsia is the is the, just a, one. It's a conflict in terms, and I don't mean that just in hood. Republicans are fucking dumb, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> I mean it in the sense that like. 
like you got to have some perverted respect for somebody like George H.W. Bush who goes, even when America's wrong, we're right. Fuck you all. We're yeah. just going to do what we want to do. Yeah. Instead of doing all these like, well, actually, these are, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. no, there's no intellectual tradition there, man. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, it's no, worth you're fuck. right. <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's no intellectual tradition to like barbarity and savagery. You know what I'm saying? Just like a no, it's just to the pow- It's just the exercise of power yeah. is all it is and the justification for it, right? Um, yeah. In fact, Iraqi suffered horrifically under Hussein and under the insurgency, and the force that destroyed both was the U.S. military. Uh, okay. Uh, with tr- okay. With tremendous sacrifices by Iraqi security forces, American troops help Iraqis do so against ISIS to this day. That is an incredible, like, wow. fucking, just like, elision. Just like, okay, like, yeah, they, oh, of course we beat the insurgency. Oh, by uh, the yeah, way, here's something yeah. called ISIS. Uh, no, yeah, it's funny. It's like, you know what? If we would have done this, they wouldn't have defeated ISIS today. But it's like, if we would have done that, they might not have had ISIS. There would be no What to say you about that? <laughs> Fucking goddamn idiot. It's um, like, yeah, it's like, oh, I'll just tell the ball coach drew it up. We knew there was going to be this future bad man, bad outfit that was going to come along, and we were just getting them ready for that. <laughs> yeah. Um,. But if there was one indisputably real WM, this is an incredible fucking sentence. He says, if there was one indisputably real WMD in Iraq, it was Saddam Hussein himself. <laughs> wow. So now Saddam Hussein has got reified as the act. They're actually, like, you know what? We weren't talking about, we weren't talking about chemical weapons. We weren't talking about, like, other armaments. We were talking about a man. We were talking about one man. <laughs> yeah, he was and, a weapon of mass destruction. He was Superman. He was Dr. Manhattan, bro. You're, yeah, yeah. Your weapon of mass destruction is like a... Uh, a uh, middle-aged Arab man, probably on statins and blood thinners, <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's your, that's your, that's your, that's your weapon of mass destruction there. Uh, that fucking thirty-two yeah, BMI. Like a guy yeah. like Tony Soprano, he's like running like a mid-sized mob outfit, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is so dangerous. Then, though. Um, then there was the argument that we could have contained insane indefinitely through sanctions and other means. Blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, the choice for the U.S. and our allies in early 2003 wasn't invasion or containment. It was invasion or, over time, the quasi-rehabilitation of Hussein's Iraq. This was a Hussein that, as the Dwelfer report... What the fuck, the Dwelfer? (laughs) That's not real. He just made that up. (laughs) That's that's some naughty as shit. Um, The Dwelfer report says... That I'm a Dwelfer from the planet Dwelfer. It's not real. It noted in 2004... Iraq wanted to recreate Iraq's WMD capability, which was essentially destroyed after 1991, after sanctions were removed and Iraq's economy stabilized. Finally, there is the argument that George Bush and his administration lied about the intelligence. I think they sincerely believe the misjudgments of the CIA. Uh, which, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter if they believed it. I mean, like, <laughs> like I sincerely believe. No, what are you talking yeah, about? Like, that's, like say, that's like saying... Uh, uh, if you just get your dick sucked, you're not cheating on your wife. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey man, I like sucking dick, but I'm not you gay. Know, you don't. You don't get. You don't get bonus points for just you know. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Brett loves citing reports, um, which, as the bipartisan Rob Silberman report concluded, sincerely sincerely believed in WMD itself. The, um. Let's see. Critics you know of, what? Or go ahead. 
it just says you know how that's bullshit too i'm thinking about man like even in the criminal justice system right like you know if you break a law you can't just say to the police and say to the judge i didn't know i was breaking the law you know what i mean like you can't kind of give this like moral like you know what i mean like like excuse like just because like in hindsight they thought they were doing the right thing like what are you talking well, about dude man? by that i hate to be like a by your logic guy but like by that logic you can just say that like with the right uh with the right suspended um credibility and sources and with the right like set of circumstances and beliefs like hitler was justified in doing what he did i mean we're exactly, talking about exactly. millions of dead people here yeah. You can just make up any excuse. Exactly. You can just make, like, make the same argument. To be fair to the Fuhrer, he did believe that, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a global conspiracy. There was a global conspiracy. Like, like, he, he believed that in earnest, and he was trying to quell that. <laughs> he truly believed in the final solution. Like, he, Jesus. I yeah. love, this is why I love Rudy Bray. Like, he's such a fucking... He's a nonce. Uh, no less damaging was the never-ending Bush lied charge that 10 years later... Oh, wait, I gotta read the first sentence of that paragraph. Critics of the war now make the point that the intelligence fiasco wrecked America's credibility. It's true, but no less damaging was the never-ending Bush lied charge that 10 years later morphed into the Obama lied charge when it came to Bashar al-Assad's use of chemical weapons in Syria, or the suggestion that President Biden is lying about last year's sabotage of the Nord Stream pipeline. One conspiracy okay, theory tends to be getting those things. What if all those things are true? It just shows you that as much as Brett tries to differentiate himself from the pack in terms of like conservatives, that ultimately at the end of the day, he's just carrying water for their like talking points du jour. Uh-huh, you know exactly. what I mean? That's exactly, like the exactly. same shit he just said in this fucking high tone <laughs> New York Times piece is the same shit I hear ignorant fucking swamp scum on six thirty WLAP talk about every fucking day. Yeah, well, and they all have. Well, that, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just say they all have like um, there is an acceptable like established dogma on all this shit. Like you saw this week, fucking DeSantis had to walk back all of his comments on Putin. Like he had, uh, you know, he's he, what had he said. Do what? What did he say? Well, he he had been saying up until this point that like uh, Putin was basically. I don't know if he ever bad, explicit, bad news. I don't know if he ever explicitly said that Putin was justified in invading Ukraine, but you know how yeah. like the war had gotten put into this like culture war thing where like the liberals supported Ukraine and the conservatives supported Russia. But like when it comes to foreign policy, there is the there's just a consensus, the blob, yeah. and they all yeah. agree, conservative, liberal alike, that Putin is the aggressor and we have to support Ukraine. But DeSantis was trying to do the Trump thing, where he was trying to sort of explode the d- establishment line on this yeah. and kind of obfuscate that dynamic. And basically, mm. they fucking made him. They, I mean, he. They basically made. They him, made him kiss the ring. Yeah, they did. Like this week, he had to come out and say that like Putin was, yeah, like a bad guy and all this stuff. Well, I mean, it's even like today, man, with the TikTok hearings or whatever. You know, I was seeing that, and um, I heard one anchor say that uh, this is a rare effort of bipartisanship, and I'm like, yeah, dog. You know, because like whether it's like Republicans or Democrats, like that's one thing they could all agree on, right? It's like imperialist wars and fucking, you know economic terrorism yeah well and it's in it, reverse it it's why the liberals supported the invasion in 2003 like there exactly. you cannot 
you cannot break out of that. There there are a few rogues here and there, like Robert Byrd in 2003 and shit, but like that's, you know. <laughs> he was a different kind of rogue just uh, 40 <laughs> years before that, but. <laughs> yeah, no, it is just funny how Brett puts himself as this contrarian, right? Like you were saying, Tom, but he's just at the end of the day just telling the line, man. His contrarianism is telling you that like you're right and any suspicions you have of the establishment are actually wrongheaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But in a subconscious way, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's the last art paragraph. Readers will want to know whether, knowing what I know now, I would still have supported the decision to invade. Not for the reasons given at the time, not in the way we did it, but on the baseline question of whether Iraq, the Middle East, and the world are better off for having gotten rid of a dangerous tyrant, my answer remains yes. It's just like, uh, how else would you have done it? There is only one way to invade a fucking country, dumbass. Oh, my God, oh my God dude. Yo, these, these are so ghoulish. Fucking. Oh, my God. Stupid. Uh, <laughs> man, you, you're stupid. Stupid. Dumb. Stupid. Stupid, bro. Dumb. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so on the okay i had one more thing i wanted to read this one's a little longer i hope you guys don't mind we're going a little over but um yeah. this this is on this is it all ties together because this is on the topic of conservative intellectuals okay it's written by john mc or oh this is john a shields okay uh Johnny Shields. I don't know why I thought John McCorder wrote this. I think he did write something in the New York Times recently as well. What did he write? I hope it wasn't something else. I hope I didn't get. I hope I didn't get my shit all fucked. Damn, up. Damn, you got your Johns fucked up, bro. I got my Johns fucked up. <laughs> oh no! I'll do that with Gary Busey and Nick Nolte. <laughs> no, okay, this is the right one. This is this was written by a guy named John A. Shields, who is a professor of government at Claremont McKenna College, and dumbass, <laughs> dumbass, <laughs> PhD, dumbass, <laughs> completely moronical. Um, this is in the New York Times. Liberal professors can rescue the GOP. What? Um, <laughs> yo. Bro, I hate this shit already because I fucking hate that title, man. What the I hate. Fuck <laughs> We're not starting off on good footing here, but I'll, I'll humor him. Keep going. <clears throat> when conservative undergrads look around for mentors these days, who do they find? Not conservative professors, at least not very often. Our ranks have been slowly vanishing since the 1980s. Instead, those students find organizers from the MAGAverse who teach them how to own the libs. No! <laughs> no! See, well, right off the bat, he gives the game up, right? Like... They, all that they care about is, is God damn it, man! It's, only it's not about anything else. Nope, it's just all about the libs and being able to say slurs, and those two things are uh, not mutually. Well, exclusive. dude, it it kind of it's the fucking classic dichotomy of the conservative movement going back to the '60s when you had like William F. Buckley in the respectable. <clears throat> debate club conservative reactionaries and the John Bircher uh, Goldwater populist <laughs> reactionaries. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. wasn't it that wasn't it that debate or whatever with Vidal with Gore Vidal where Buckley basically cracked? 
and just like basically called him a bunch of slurs and shit like yeah, that. You God saw how like, cool. <laughs> yeah, <he laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, that—that's who. And also, it's just funny that like John A. Shields, like he fucking hates that. What conservatives, the way they're engaging with conservative thought now, is owning the libs like that's the main practices he hates that that's their practices that they're not reading edmund burke and shit that they're wanting to own the lips that's they're right not reading that's Buckley right shit. yeah if they if they were like just staying grounded in their intellectual tradition and engaging in all the sort of before agreed upon rules of debate and all that stuff they would have no problem with these people well, yeah. and also they were I, vulgarians essentially. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and I also feel though that like conservatism has always been about owning the libs. Edmund Burke. Yep. Ed, I, you know, I'm not an expert, but I'm pretty sure that Edmund Burke kind of like made a name for himself by writing against the French Revolution. I mean, that's always been their thing, like up- upholding the status quo. Well, I mean, that's yeah. uh, that that's yeah. a, and also. But but doing it in a way that's like meant to piss people off, yes. right? Like meant to be ostentatious and meant to be like provocative, pur- uh, purposefully and, exactly, yeah. purposefully so pr- provocative. Like what he wants, what he wants to happen is like basically, I guess, like I don't know, like what the libs do, you know? I don't know, like lo- logic and reason and shit like that, and the power of rhetoric. It's like no motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's who is instructing the next generation of Republican leaders, modeling how to act and think like good conservatives. It's a squalid education, one that deepens their alienation from the university and guarantees that the next generation of elected officials will make Ron DeSantis's war against higher education look tame. Liberal professors... Man, go ahead. It's, just, it's like, bro, like... I understand the need to be like, Captain Save-A-Hoe a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> reaching out to these little bitches and trying to, like, you know... But, like, if what you're saying is that we should continue to foster the worldview that suggests that some people shouldn't be able to live or prosper, I don't know. Maybe they deserve to be ostracized from the academy. No, <laughs> yeah, maybe they're fucking freaks. And everywhere else, for that matter. Well, that's exactly. The, it's the thing, like, the very foundational tenets of conservatism were only ever going to end in a place where we were talking about destroying all education all free access to education free yep. thought and free inquiry that's the whole fucking point yeah. it was only ever going to end up here yeah yeah it was a logical end conclusion um liberal professors have the power to help solve this problem <laughs> they can show their conservative students how to become thoughtful and knowledgeable partisans by exposing them to a rich conservative intellectual tradition that stretches back to enlightenment thinkers like edmund burke David Hume. And Why Adam the fuck Smith. would they would do that? Why the fuck would they do that, bro? First of all, not to even say that liberals are like. I mean, because I feel like liberal professors, like I've had professors that I guess were liberal, but I guess like you know, and I'm an anti-capitalist, right? So that's that's also its own breath. But regardless of these labels, like why the fuck would they want to do that? You know. Like, why would they want to give their ideological enemies, like, not to say that they want to give these kids a poor education, but, like, that's not, I'm thinking that, like, if you're calling them liberal professors, there are things that they're just not going to teach, you know what I'm saying? Or things they're not going to say or agree with, you know? Well, also, (laughs) I don't know what fucking college is he's talking about. Granted, it's been a decade since I've been in college, but... I had to read about Edmund Burke, David Hume, and Adam Smith in college. Like, are they just not? Dude, 
I read Ayn Rand from high school up until college. <laughs> when I was in, when I was taking a, a literature literary course, we were reading Ayn Rand and not in an ironic way. Like, okay, this is like how this. No, it was like, oh no, this is like the anthem. It's one of the most widely read books in the country. Uh-huh. You have to read it. Yeah. yeah um, th- they could ha- they could mentor their conservative students, set up reading groups, help vet speakers, and create courses on the conservative intellectual tradition. Okay, I'm fine with that as long as you put Hitler, Mein Kampf in the, <laughs> the conservative intellectual tradition because it is. That's yeah. the th- as, I'm as fine with that as long pictures, as you, you're honest about the canon. Listen, you have to have pictures of like not like not like lynchings, but I want to see those pictures of all those seeds of white people smiling, right? Yes, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. After lynching, you have to have birth of a nation, right? <laughs> the one by by W D W Griffith. You're you right. have to show that in the background, playing silently. <laughs> um, this is easier said than done, of course. One challenge is that there are not many incentives to teach undergrad teaching and mentors mentoring seriously, or to take undergrad teaching and mentoring seriously at least not at research universities, which instead dole out promotions based on research and publication. Bigger obstacle, though, is that very few professors know much at all about the conservative intellectual tradition. Many assume there's little value in it. To the uninformed and skeptical alike, I recommend reading Jerry Z. Moeller's introductory chapter in his conservatism an anthology of social political thought from david hume to the press okay there's your fucking first problem i fell asleep halfway reading through that reading fucking the title, title. <laughs> exactly dog i'm not reading that shit um yeah I'm hard past <laughs> i'll just take i'll just take your word for it i'll just read the dust jacket <laughs> yeah i'll just give me the cliff notes yeah. on that one <laughs> Uh, here he goes. Here, here are his cliff notes. Among other insights, Jerry Z. Moeller stresses the need to preserve customs and institutions that direct wayward human beings. These systems of social control are complex, easy to dismantle, and difficult to rebuild. For these reasons, conservatives are leery of campaigns to, that promise to liberate us from a host of norms and institutions that the left sometimes sees as unjust, like marriage, religion, gender roles the police and sexual repression wait wait hold up so what he's doing is that he's actually saying that it's the left and liberal institutions that are enslaving you and conservatism isn't even about conserving it's about liberation (laughs) from the woke people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny how he's like talking about intellectual conservatism. And he's just making the same fucking arguments, yo. It's all, they all do. That's so. Let funny. me tell you something. The academy is in such shabby shape right now that no doubt you have a lot of people that have just decided to do a mass exodus from the fucking whatever liberalism that they've been waiting in for 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it's been. To cash in on the anti woke thing, uh huh. Like, there's so many people that you see. But you see this with like the one guy that we did a few weeks ago that was like, what was that? Ah, fuck, what was his name? The guy at Villanova. Oh, was it the one about? It was it the was it the one about the decline of English majors in university, or was it a different? I one? think so. Yeah, but yeah, but there's like a genre of this. It's like. You see more and more op-eds and like all these kind of things written by 
once liberal professors that are making the case for anti wokeness or whatever. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. like that was in that was in uh, that compact mag. I remember. Yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You all are supposed to be in charge of molding this next generation, and you were just like grasping at straws. And I get it to some degree because it's like. You know, it's like you're like it's hard to get tenure and all these things. Everything's so fucking shabby. But like, it's I don't know, man. It's just so disheartening to see them like bite on like what's basically a, a marketing term. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. That means that means that just it was something I don't like. You know, basically. <laughs> exactly. But with exactly. like these <laughs> racial undertones. Exactly, racial undertones, sexist undertones. Well, you know, gender identity, all all of this shit, man. Basically, it's like woke is not only like what I don't like, but who I don't like and who I don't think. You know, what person don't don't I think should have like a life that's worth of integrity? You know what I'm saying? And decency. You know. Yeah, this is this article actually does kind of do an interesting job of delineating what some of these terms mean unintentionally it's not trying to do that but because like read this part every year i ask my students most of whom are quite liberal to read books in this conservative tradition all of which are paired with books by progressive authors books like the case for marriage the case against the sexual revolution and why liberalism failed open students to the possibility that our ancestors were not merely fools or bigots instead they built social institutions that however flawed also repressed some of our more self-destructive impulses and encouraged some of our better nature, better angels. Like, like letting black people be free. Like letting black people marry white people. Yeah, dude. Like, like, le- like, like letting people be gay. Like, yeah. what are you talking about, bro? Like, this is like, re- listen. Read this next paragraph. This is this is fundamental. Take marriage. Members of the upper middle class still largely get and stay married even without the old social pressures that once made marriage all but mandatory. Most of my liberal students know as much, but what they are rarely forced to confront is the idea that this kind of traditionalism builds wealth, softens men, and creates an ideal environment for privileged children to flourish, while for most everyone else, the expansion of sexual and romantic freedom has undermined family life, deepening inequality in its wake. It's like, I can't take you seriously about like entertaining conservative thought when you're literally saying that queer people can experience love and build family in the same... I mean, like, I, I and know... That's and not they're, they're, true. Their, relation, their relationships are also detrimental. It's not capitalism that has destroyed the fucking family. Dog, everything that they love about this country, especially capitalism and the fucking free market and shit, free enterprise system, like all of the things that they hate, you know what I mean? Like the destruction of the family unit. It's like, dude, if that's what you fucking care about, and not that the family unit isn't even like the, the social unit of capitalism itself and social reproduction, but even saying that, it's like, dog, it's capitalism that has alienated families from one another, but right? But they don't... But it's like, not queer it's, people. They don't really care about the family, though, or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. What they're yeah. trying to do is seize the high, the high ground on America's and the world's, by extensions, unimpeachable institutions. That's why they go with the church, family, all that stuff. They go and grab the high ground there that way that they're hard to debate with because everybody needs like a source of eternal hope and a, a familial unit of some consequence to like help you with the storms of life and so forth. So if you can like sort of stake out that high position and say we're the arbiters of what family and faith and all these things mean then like you have like a pretty strong position whereas if if you don't do that nobody like this shit is so flimsy yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly 
Yeah, it it's just, and also there is no. I mean, there's no such thing as you're exactly right, both of you. There is no such thing as family anymore. I mean, there is, and we all tried to reach for it and grasp for it and build it in our own ways with our own limited resources, which become more and more whittled down by the fucking day. Like, no one can own a house anymore. No one, everyone is saddled with fucking tons of medical debt that they don't want to, like, give to their partner. That's if an it, interesting point. It's it's like there are a few fundamental things about family building that there are like some intangibles. And it's like you got to have a roof over your head. You got to be able to feed your family. You got to be able to take care of their medical needs, clothe them, all these things. And it's like you're sitting here promoting the family, the family, the family. But all that means to you is attacking people that you don't like to look at in public or you want to yeah. scapegoat or whatever. When like and I don't mean to sound like one of those people. It's like. Well, conservatives are pro-life until like after the baby gets here, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but it is kind of a fair point where it's like you say you're pro-family, but you're attacking every sort of like institution, physical and immaterial, that comprises that. Exactly. Well, and and exactly. and furthermore, there is no intellectual value in that. Like, okay, I'll teach those ideas in the context that they should be rooted out and anybody who holds those ideas should be busting fucking rocks in a prison camp somewhere <laughs> the rest of their fucking life until yeah. they have <laughs> until they have the right ideas that's and i think that's totally fair i said that to a friend from high school one time like i think it should be illegal to be conservative like no, no you dude, can have those be, ideas it'd be illegal to be a republican yeah, yes. you can you can have those ideas sure but you can't participate in society like the, you know, you I mean? can't have a political party. Yeah, you can't, you can't build have a political, political party, party or political life no. or, or advance your political. No, that's all. That is outlawed because the whole fucking point is to keep other people like me down. It's like it's yeah. it's just not going to work. I'm sorry, and I'm not going to fucking entertain that or talk or debate it. D yeah. Dude, you know, you know it too. It's like when you rule all of this out and you understand that there are no intellectual arguments, right? There's no, there's no, oh, we care about the family, we care about children. Like, I don't know, it really is like a, a ideology of like a death drive, yo. Like, you know what I mean? It's like a mass death drive. Like, these people are omnicidal, man. All of the things that they say that they care about, they are like leading to the destruction of that, you know what I mean? Especially when given the, the fucking environment, right? If you t t talk about environmentalism, the fact that these people do not fucking believe in climate change. I mean, it's just fucking insane, dude. But it's just, I think the thing is, is like, you, you can have this guy lay out his case. And I think he does a pretty good job in terms of like structuring it and leading you up to his like conclusion. But the, the conclusion is, uh, what did he say here? Um... Uh, they are rarely forced to confront the idea that the kind of traditionalism, such as the family, um, builds wealth, blah, 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 while for most everyone else, the expansion of so sexual and romantic freedom has undermined family life. It's like, how the fuck do you come to that conclusion? This Was this the guy that was in the cuck chair a few weeks ago with the <laughs> wife that <laughs> left him for the 21-year-old? This is not... This is not that That'd guy. Be amazing. He's but like, you know what? Amazing. Sexual freedom has undermined my family, so I think it's like <laughs> undermined everybody else's too. <laughs> Usually, that's what it is, yo. Usually, it's either that or their wife has sex with a black guy. Or right, something like right. That. Usually, right. one of those two. It's well, like we don't we don't really talk about that like primal fear of white men enough of that yes. of, of like yeah the you know and I don't want to get into because it, it could lead to some weird things but. 
<laughs> there are a lot of guys that hold some very strange positions because they are terrified of the idea of their wife or daughter fucking a black guy. <laughs> no, absolutely, dog. A hundred fucking percent. It's. I mean, this is like birth. Going back to birth of a nation, man. Like this is like a common stereotypical trope and fear, man. Yeah, it's a like hey, you shouldn't be policing your daughter's sexuality. And uh, <laughs> you know, that's a conversation you like, you like, with your wife on the other end of that. <laughs> I think what he's getting at more than just like the 60s, quote unquote, sexual revolution. I mean, he's talking mm-hmm. about like LGBTQ people. I mean, these mm-hmm. are people we're talking about here. And again, it's like that's why you have to put mind Kampf in the conservative canon. It's because to, at man. the end of it, if you're talking, it's like that fucking interminable, tedious debate two weeks ago about the guy that said he didn't um, suggest eradicating transgender people at CPAC. He suggested eradicating transgenderism. Transgenderism. It's just like... I don't know, man. It's so fucking... I mean, it's... It's omnicidal, man. I really have to say that. Like, like it doesn't matter what arguments they try to make. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, they want to persecute people that they just don't like, you know? That's it. Hey, we could we could wrap it up in whatever kind of flowery language you want, and you could harken back to Edmund Burke or, like... But, I mean, these yeah. people are all the same fucking people with the same sociopathic, omnicidal vein, right? To uh, destroy all life on Earth that they do not fucking agree with. To go back to Terrence's point about conservatism should be should have been outlawed. It's like it's true. Like, everybody, like, on every side of the spectrum always, like, tries to sort of, uh, like... Uh, you know, they, they go after the, the like, the far ends of the spectrum, right? It's like, well, Nazism's bad and communism's bad. But we don't talk enough about how their antecedents, you know, that being liberalism and conservatism, <laughs> are, are really, you know, are, like, just as pernicious, you know, in some way, in, like, in some subtle ways, in some insidious ways, you know? Uh, absolutely. Not to say communism's insidious or pernicious or anything like that, but I'm saying, like, you know, we don't key on like the less radical parts of those spectrums as being like bad intellectual traditions too that create a lot of ugly things. It, it's yeah, an interesting, it's an interesting article because it shows you plain as day that what conservatism is is that you have a crisis within the social order caused by capitalism and its contradictions. That the only way people know how to either make sense of it or solve it, quote unquote, is to eradicate other human beings i mean that's it yeah. and that's yeah. that's that like you're talking about churching that basic thought and idea up in intellectual dressage and language you, i mean it's like you, you you know you just made me think of man i uh, i read uh i read this story uh, last night called the space traders by Derek bell wrote in 1992 he's the guy credited with the development of uh, critical race theory and this is story these aliens come to earth and they say that we have gold, we have renewable technology, right, that'll clean your earth and, like, you know, provide you unlimited energy. But we want one thing. We want all the 20 million black Americans, man, women, and child that you have, and we're going to take them back to our home planet. And nobody knows why they want them. They're just like, we just want them, right? And, of course, like, it goes through. At the end of the story, it goes through the inevitability, the Afro-pessimism, right? Right. And... It's kind of the argument is like, yo, at the end of the day, right? And I think you could say this about conservatism, right? It's so like, this, what this, people- this is the guy <laughs> that just broke all the conservatives' brains now with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yo, actually, they, they brought this up in 2012 because Obama was seen taking a picture with Derrick Bell and people went back to the story. 
and and there there are some things in the story that people think are problematic but it's an amazing story because it's like i think it also says to conservatism like what lengths would these people be willing to go to eradicate and get rid of a problem that they see not just as social but existential and it might be just shipping all the niggas to mars or anybody else that they do not like you know i like i like yeah when i like that he anticipates this he says, these arguments can be jarring because they provide a window into conservatism at its best. <laughs> Highlighting the wisdom it still has to offer us in an age in which the GOP has descended into madness. On I mean, can- because they're conservatives, dog. <laughs> they really have to stop doing this stuff, man. Um, oh, on occasion, students are shaken by reading them. As one student told me after reading a book on marriage, I think I need to rethink my life. Um, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Far more often, th- th- I just, the thing is, the thing about marriage, I don't understand this. I have plenty of both queer and not queer friends, cis and trans friends, etc. All of them, uh, it seems like, are pretty pro marriage. I have very yeah. few friends yeah, at this point. I, that's <laughs> true. It's like, it's like that was such a weird thing for him to say is that like the left and liberals want to tear tend to want to tear down marriage. It's like, no, nah, I think everybody, like most people, okay, now I'm not talking about like poly folks or any other kinds of folks. But uh, like just with like ex folks. Just you're run of the mill people regardless of gender identity or anything. Typically are pro like marriage and building a family yeah yeah he's not it's not it's like one thing to make i'm not going to make that argument because i'm not smart enough for that shit but it's like you know it's one thing to be like oh abolish the family under like you know advanced commodity production but he's not even making that argument right right i think even most people that could make that argument and might be amenable to making that argument even on the left might be like no i think that like like yeah people should be able to get married yo right it's a very (laughs) weird position it is Far more often, though, students simply discover that there is a tradition of conservative thought that is worth contemplating. Well, those students are fucking idiots. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I got a book. I got a book for for conservative thought, bro. I got a book. Uh, uh, there's a book that I forgot. It's a ph- photography book. I forgot who did it, uh, who edited it, but it shows you all of the. Uh, it's it's a terrifying book that shows you all the all the horrible massacres and terrorist terrorist crimes that have been committed against black people in the United States throughout the 20th century, right? Yeah. Um, I wish I could remember the name of that book, but they actually, they should read if they want to get a, a, a Cliff Notes on conservatism, a visual, yeah, a visual Cliff Notes. They should look. They should get that book. I fear though that such experiences are becoming rare. As late as the mid 1980s, about one third of American professors were still right of center. But by 1999, one survey found that Republicans accounted for just two percent of English professors, zero percent of sociologists, four percent of historians, and eight percent of political scientists. Given what these numbers, dick motherfuckers are doing these surveys, man. I'm just like, who's doing these surveys? <laughs> Who the fuck cares? <laughs> well, Brett Stevens does, obviously. Um, the people We're not in Brett Stevens, whoever this is, this is John A. Shields. John A. Sh- Johnny Shields, that's what it is. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> the people now teaching them to think and act like conservatives mostly belong to Trumpist outfits like Turning Point USA, which recruits and trains young conservatives to be campus activists. Turning Point has taken to hosting, hosting deliberate provocations like affirmative action bake sales in which students are charged different prices depending on their race. The point of these stunts isn't just to provoke liberal outrage on campus, it's to alienate conservative kids from their surroundings. 
Turning points bombastic. Wow, I thought the conservatives would like that, though. I thought, they, I thought they would like... I thought that, like, for colors only, I thought that this is the tradition that this guy wants to bring back, bro. Like, why are you fucking complaining, dude? It really is an interesting thing. Like, I know it kind of seems like maybe we're just rehashing all the same old themes and arguments from past episodes in the past seven years. But it is an interesting thing. Like, why are these... Like, why are these their guys like this? who belong to an intellectual tradition that does support you know, segregation and, and apartheid and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, are, are they just too cowardly to say that in polite society? And they have to, like, pretend like there are intellectual reasons for it? I, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, also, too, what, what... Yeah, you're so right, too, because, again, and I know I keep referencing, but it's like, yeah, if you're talking about conservative tradition, you can't be talking about what recent conservative tradition are you talking about? Are you talking about like the neocons? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like the where, motherfucking like, article that we just read. <laughs> right. Point. Yeah, that's a, such a good point, Aaron. It's right. like I'll tell you. Here's an exercise you could do. Don't even go back to Edmund Burke and all these people and all these like weird like 18th century English jurists that said you can't rape your wife if she's decided to be married to you. Let's set all those guys aside for a second. In the last 50 years. Point to a conservative movement that yielded any good fruit. Yeah, that that that, that, that yeah. No, you're seriously that 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 um, <laughs> led to more comfortable living standards for people. That led to more um, peaceful households that weren't uh, completely destroyed by like poverty and debt and domestic violence and everything else. That didn't lead to like structural structural problems like racism and mass incarceration. I mean, you're you're exactly right. There's not a single fucking one you can point to. It is it is rot. No good on the world. And I know it's no. like, I mean, it's like we're debating an obvious point on this program, but it's like at the nah. same time, like okay, we'll have it on your principles then. We'll we'll okay, we'll have that fucking conversation. Point to one. You uh, can't point to one. Also, too, like just like just like speaking about like uh, what like conservatism is too. I think it's a is it is a Robin Kelly has this book where he talks about conservatism and reaction and what it actually is. I think, and like essentially, like you just see this reaction at movements when progressive. I'm gonna even say socialist man. We're just talking about progressive social movements like the Civil Rights Act. When things like that get passage, right? Then you start to see reaction form. So it's like it really is about owning the libs. Like yeah. you can literally distill it to they just want to own the fucking libs, man. What thousand percent? I'm just like, <laughs> like damn, these niggas getting rights? That's impossible. What the fuck? No, that can't happen. Like, okay, dude. Like, what the right. no, exactly. Like, look at what happened after the Civil War. It's just like, okay, they got the conservatives and reactionaries basically got what they wanted. And look at what it fucking wrought. I mean, it's just like that's why this they, is America, where when you lose, you win. Winners lose. Like yeah. we, we we're obsessed yeah. with winners, but truly losers win in this country, and that's why yeah. it drives you insane. It's because you see the yeah. corny motherfuckers flourishing, and that is bad for the soul ultimately. And that's why yeah. conservatism has to be completely outlawed. <laughs> Yo, you you so you so right, Tom. Too America is obsessed with losers. The Confederacy. I mean, not even obsessed with, but I'm talking about in a way where it like uh, adopts, right? I mean, like or like Nazi Germany. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean the fact that like we talked about this before, but the fact that like you know you got uh, uh, air bases and shit like that, and like you know uh, uh, statues and shit named after Confederate generals. You know, yeah. it's like dude, middle you, school, you got middle schools. Losers. 
You got middle schools where children go and play basketball and learn and grow and eat, and they're called like you know uh, Nathan Bedford Forest Middle School. Uh huh. Jesus Christ. You know, it would be like if you went to like uh, you know uh, fucking uh, Berlin and you sent your kids to the uh, uh, Herman Goebbels uh, Magnet School. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's the same thing. It's the same fucking it's thing, same and it blows my mind. Thing. Nobody can see that. And I hate to be that guy that just—it's always has to go back to the Nazis and be hyperbolic like that. I'm not, but it is. It's just well, but, insane. But, it, but when you're, it is, though, it really but the is thing though. is, is like when you're talking about conservatives, it's like you—you you have no other recourse. You have no other uh, choice but to go to that. Because I mean, look, it's like that's yeah, what I mean, it is. At, I mean, dude, like, look at. All right, man. Like, I don't want to give any. I don't want to be giving credence to like liberalism. Actually, I'm not going to do that. But like conservatism. I mean, you have people like what these people, I guess, think of as like intellectual conservatives, or what some people think is like um, rational conservatives. I'm thinking of John Bone Banner or whatever his name was. Like somebody like that, right? Or even like a Reagan guy. And then you got people that are like straight up like crypto fascists. You know. Like what what logical leap do you think that I'm going to make when you talk about like you start using language that eventually evolves into the eradication of these people, you know? Right. Like come on, man. Well, also if you look at it like kind of just reverse engineer it a little bit. If you look at modern conservatism and you say like oh, this is like like, you know, some of these things they're saying and advocating for eerily reminiscent of Nazism. Now, try to do that with liberalism and say, like, Stalinism or something like that. And, I, and I, I'm not using this as, like, I'm not talking about Stalin or making a judgment call, but you would just look ridiculous if you said exactly. that jo- Joe Biden had anything in common with Joseph Stalin. Exactly. If that was your, if, I'm saying if that was your boogeyman, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why I think, like, it, you know, and I could be wrong about this, but I think that, I mean, I think it does fall flat with, with, I don't want to say the majority of conservatives at all, but I would say the American public, when you when they when conservatives try to call the Democrats socialist, right, or a communist, right, anything they don't like communist, I think most people are just like, yeah, that's bullshit, you know, like people laugh at that. That's ridiculous. Like these people are kooks, right? Yeah. But like if I was to be like, yeah, man, like this guy's a this guy Ron Republicans are not yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 that's more that's a little bit more true to uh, yeah that's, uh, that's to it doesn't feel quite as ridiculous <laughs> no like they're fascists they literally are fascists <laughs> um well you know just closing up here um it's just a few more paragraphs he says conservative students might start saying anything but trump if they learn about a more enlightened alternative to make those awakenings common, <laughs> <laughs> to make those awakenings commonplace, there must be a coordinated national campaign to broaden our curriculums. Every American university should offer a course on what is best in conservatism. That means teaching conservative intellectuals, not just—I I don't know why—I cannot fucking wrap my brain around you that. Should what the the fuck are you should have the preamble to the Confederacy. You have the preamble to the Confederacy where they justify the fact that no, this is definitely about slaves. That should be that should be like, the syllabus. No, seriously, what are you talking about? The best conservatives? Like, I'm seriously asking. Like, what <laughs> evidence do you have? I think Mussolini wrote a book too. Uh, every yeah, that means teaching conservative intellectuals not just the history of the GOP or right wing populism. Perhaps this campaign could be led by a group like Heterodox Academy or the American Political Science Association either of which could partner with a politically diverse network of scholars, blah, 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 blah. A national campaign could do more than just improve the next generation of Republican leaders. It might also restore some semblance of lost faith in higher education as a whole. 
Yeah, yeah. Not not, not gonna do me. that. <laughs> good good luck. <laughs> <laughs> also, too, is it is it what someone like Rod DeSantis doing in Florida? Like, you know what I'm saying with like these school bills? Isn't that like? I guess what you want, right? I mean, that's that's not 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 the curriculum, but essentially, if that shit was taught in schools and implemented like implemented politically, right, and socially. I mean, that's what you would get, right? What that's are what you he, complaining about, dog? That's what he says here. He says a substantial majority of Republicans now believe that universities have a negative influence that on the country, that distrust will only encourage more DeSantis-style attacks on these institutions, especially the public ones. If professors want to defend the legitimacy of universities against the charge that they are simply leftist indoctrination centers, they should relentlessly broadcast the new efforts they're making to mentor their conservative students. Of course... None of this would fully inoculate the next generation from embracing a reckless populism. Um, Senator Josh Hawley was close to his thesis advisor, David M. Kennedy, a prominent historian and visiting fellow at the center-right Hoover Institution. Dr. Kennedy even helped Mr. Hawley turn his thesis on Teddy Roosevelt into a book. That didn't stop Mr. Hawley from going all in on January 6th, blah, blah. But this seems just as true. <laughs> It's hard to imagine how the so, next. Uh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so you're, 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 you're you're trying to point to an anecdotal example, and then when once you write it out, you're like, oh yeah, that did go south, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did go. Anywho, this, any, any, this motherfucker was raising up the fist to the January sixth. Yo, because that is, as we've been saying, that is the logical conclusion to your worldview, dog. It's yeah. being a stress right, motherfucker. What are you and talking now, about? Now listen. Now listen. This is all ridiculous. Like, let take Josh Hawley, for example. <laughs> Him and his, the guy from the Hoover Institute were extremely close. And that worked. Uh, well, 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 okay. Yeah, okay. Maybe he got a little too into January 6th. But anyway. <laughs> nevertheless. Nevertheless. I still have confidence this approach will work. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> yeah. I would seriously, if I was working in the academy, I would be fucking embarrassed to write something like this. I'm serious. I'm serious. Whatever intelligence apparatus could not strap me to a fucking table and get me to put Drek like this out. Oh, shit. The one example you point to... Is a man that lost like a million dollar book deal because because he was uh, yeah dog whistling the QAnon shaman. I don't, I don't yeah, he was it. hanging out. He was I, hanging out with the QAnon shaman. I, fu- I fucking love it because it's the perfect example of what he's talking about. It's like. Well, okay, Josh Hawley did what David Thomas Jefferson, your fucking esteemed conservative intellectual, said. You, the, you could see them getting worked up over it too, like Rand Paul and Josh Hawley. Like it's time to water the lit tree of liberty with the blood of tyrants, yep. and they were like fist bumping. And then when it looked like they might be fucking, like the heat might be coming down on them for a minute, they were like, "Oh, uh, those, those people, they, they, we weren't a part of that. They, we, see they that? weren't what we were talking about." <laughs> did you did you see that video that was like security footage of Josh Hawley running running through the halls of Congress? <laughs> scared as fuck yeah. like a bitch, yo. <laughs> Bro, these people are so amazing because like it's just like, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't keep rehashing it, but like, yeah, the one example, yo, that you could use, man. Oh god. And it's like the irony is not lost is lost upon you completely. It just went right over your head, man. Yeah. 
He says, this seems just as true. It's hard to imagine how the next generation of Republican leaders will become thoughtful conservatives if all they've ever been tutored in is its Trump-style expressions. Professors have the power to make sure that doesn't happen. It's time they use it. I love that this is written from the perspective of, like, there's... Just like no one has this perspective, it's amazing. Literally, no, no one. one. You're right, Tom. Like, no intel- <laughs> in- intelligence apparatus would get this out of me because it's written from the perspective of like, like a dying breed. There's no one out there who fucking thinks that like the only way to stop DeSantis is to like teach more conservative things in universities. Because, because honestly, that's fucking what DeSantis and him think too. That's what that. That's yeah. Like that's we're, what they're doing. So you Except- have you have to thwart the threat that they pose by giving them exactly what they want. Well, dude, you know no, what? No, it- it's just like ever. Nobody can just see things as just like straightforward anymore. There's got to be some sort of Machiavellian seven, you know, dimensional. Yeah, yeah, three dimensional, four dimensional. Uh, well, dude, it reminds me about how during like the slaveocracy and during like the Third Reich. Again, I you know I hate to use these two examples, but I mean they're useful examples when you're talking about like where conservatism leads. It's like in both of these examples, you had the people, like the leaders, kind of like uh, you know ginning up populist anger and um, uh, rage against a group of people to keep a certain sort of like mode of production in place and a certain status quo in place. And then you had intellectuals who were kind of uncomfortable with that. And so they worked to sort of reverse engineer to justify all of it. So like in the slaveocracy Mm. case, you had people Mm. like saying that the Bible justified slavery and that there were plenty of examples like ancient Greece and all this other shit. And in the third Reich, you had... Yeah, yeah. And then in the third Reich, you had fucking Nazi scientists going to like the Himalayas and trying to like dig up Aryan uh, fossils and you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah, it, you're yeah, doing yeah, the yeah. same shit, man. It's just like yeah. you you're just too fucking cowardly and embarrassed to be out there. And just admit it. Just admit it. You, you know what? Too bad. Actually, I, I say that we should. Uh, I would be the contrarian here and say that um, let this shit happen, man. If this guy is too fucking dumb to realize that like owning the libs and the Trumpian style of politics is the only recourse left and that's always been available truly in its logical conclusion to the right if he doesn't want to win if he just doesn't want to see team redwood <laughs> and he wants to see a bunch of lip dick mother bow tie wearing motherfuckers in school get beat up and get wedges and shit like that at the age of 22 <laughs> or some shit yo by all means dog do it do it dog please <laughs> please <laughs> I agree. They should teach more classes like that at the university because nobody would go to them. No one would go to those classes, and the guys that do would get bullied relentlessly, and that's good. That would be better for society. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, truly amazing. I don't know, man. It's it is interesting. Like some, yeah. I don't know, man. that's an amazing article, man. John A. Shields. There you have it, folks. Johnny Shields, man. It's such a John, fantasy, yo. Johnny like we, Shields. We get, called, we get called a lot on the left of being, uh, you know, we want puppies and rainbows and, you know, all of that shit, you know, pie in the sky stuff. But uh, what this guy is saying is uh, fucking uh, it is, just straight yo, up L- pure, you're like J.R. Token shit, bro. No, it's you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's pure fantasy. It's a fucking, but that it's a fucking, fucking uh, whole world in a wardrobe, bro. It's not uh, real. Fucking 
B grade ass porn star name? <laughs> Johnny shit. <laughs> Johnny shit. <laughs> oh shit. Oh, man. Yeah, fucking loser. Um well, I think we thoroughly did it up for today. An hour and a half. Amazing. Tardy boys are at it again. That's right. It's true fucking tardy boys hour. God damn. Um uh please go support us on Patreon. We have a Patreon. Uh you know where to find it. Patreon.com slash Drillbilly Workers Party. Any cl- any closing or final thoughts before we depart for this week, my friends? Just a nah. just a happy Ramadan to all our friends that observe. That's indeed exactly happy Ramadan. Right. Indeed, indeed. Exactly. All right, gang. Well, thanks for listening this week, everybody. We'll see you at the Patreon on Sunday. Adios. Bye.